You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, my lovely Dumpty Dummers. It's P here. I do hope that you are all right. Just in case you've forgotten the sound of my dulcet tones, Royfield has very kindly let me tell you that you can still find me in the podcast universe at the QuickBook Reviews podcast. It's been going three years with weekly episodes, each with two author interviews, five book reviews and some chat. I ask authors insightful questions like what food they were eating while they wrote their book and which is more important to them, the book cover or the book title. I love reading fiction from crime and thrillers to all sorts of other books and I'll throw some non-fiction in as well. If I don't like a book, I'll tell you and if I absolutely love it, well, I'll try to convey that too. For me, books form a happy escape from the world and I would love for you to escape there with me. Look for the Quick Book Reviews podcast on your podcast app of choice and I will see you lovely lot there. Thanks everyone. Big hugs. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Michael Anwin. So this week's Dumpty Dum is sponsored by Deanna Dawkins, who became a new patron last week. We had any new patrons, Rayfield? The fact that we're doing Deanna again. No. (laughs) But but that doesn't mean, good listener, that you shouldn't step into the breach because next week there'll be a big gap in this section of the show unless you, and I'm pointing the finger at you, who's probably like cooking whilst listening to the podcast or maybe you're out running or maybe you're commuting to work whilst listening to the podcast, you become a patron and we'll tell you how to become a patron later on in the podcast, folks, because this is Dum Dum, the show at the reality lucky drama that is centred on Amridge in the heart of the millions. I am the stirring George 
in our favourite docudrama. That is Royfield Aloysius Brown. And today I'm joined by the closed-eared Lillian. That is Jacqueline Berto in Sanguine. This week's Dumpty Dum is from Michael and Anwin again. On this episode, we'll hear from Jen, formerly Cycling Christine, Glyn Fullerlove, Brian Holding, a blue-haired feminist, Witherspoon, Rachel from Doncaster, and Christopher McKiddy. Oh, him of the voice. Everybody likes a little bit of Christopher, don't they? They do. Plus, we're going to have Tweet of the Week from our Purple Pumpkin, and we have the social media roundup from our Sue. She's doubling up this week. It's one of those weeks where she doubles up. And don't forget, folks, we have lots of content on YouTube. If you want to see like three years worth of interviews with actors who who are on the archers, go to YouTube, type in Dumpty Dum and you'll find them there. And also, we need you to write a review because reviews are one of the best ways for us to get new listeners to help to grow the Dumpty Dum community. As well as all of that stuff, of course, we're going to have the Facebook roundup and we're going to be welcoming new members from our Facebook group. But first, let's look at the week in Ambridge from our Sue, the Queen or Tart. Hello, lovely people. It's Sue here, Queen or Tart on the Twitters. And another week in Ambridge. And my word, what a very peculiar week it's been. Ben was hiding from everyone until he could talk to Chelsea. Once they were in the same place, they revisited the night in question. What a bloody awful evening by all accounts, frankly. Not just because Russ was off his head and there was a surfeit of alcohol all round. This was a much-needed conversation between them, and I thought they both behaved like adults. Not so needed with Jolene being downright mean and nasty over Kenton's teenage diary. I hope she'll be able to look herself in the mirror when it all goes pear-shaped. Even I didn't see that was going to get hijacked by Eddie and George, pretending the Grundys' marriage was on the rocks because of 50 years of lies. <sighs> frankly, Clary Love, please leave Eddie, as you're far too good for him. And Clary Love, when you end up killing Eddie and George, I will personally provide you with an alibi. And what the hell about Kenton falling for it? Good grief, even Kenton is not that gullible, surely. They've all been living in the same village for the best part of 60 years, although Kenton did go off to sea for many years, I'll give him that. You would have thought it would have come up if it was important. Eddie has gone too far, and I blame George who in the meantime is buying dodgy turkeys and using some extremely dubious accounting methods. When the whole flock goes down with bird flu just before Christmas and have to be slaughtered, and they end up replacing them with some random frozen birds from the supermarket, on their own heads be it. Well, at least it would mean Clary Love gets a few days off from plucking turkeys. Back to Brookfield, and Vince dangled a trip to New Zealand in front of Beth and Ben, although she was still returning from the hen weekend and didn't know what was coming. In many ways. Ben finally met up with Beth and confessed he'd been putting it about a bit. And she first threatened to throw up and then stomped off. But ultimately, it seems to have been remarkably understanding. Following on her house haircut from Chelsea. I tell you, if she's pregnant as well, I'm going to throw an almighty wobbly. Women of childbearing age don't just have to produce children. Although Ambridge doesn't appear to understand that. Brookfield, in the meantime, went to comfort Lily on the loss of Russ. Whilst the rest of you cheered, I do hope she didn't have to hear them discussing paint colours and bedroom design. At least Leonard was able to save the day. Is there no end to the man's talents? Oh, oh, and Lillian. Lillian tried to push Alan on Peggy's stained glass window. I can hardly bring myself to talk about it. St. Shula sailed off into the sunset in Sunderland. I'm certain the people of Sunderland will appreciate her. <laughs> 
until next week then, hope it'll be a good one. There's a lot of alliteration at the end of that, wasn't there? Very good. Very good, Sue. <laughs> Leonard is just wonderful, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he is, but I keep thinking he lied about being able to paint at the beginning, so maybe he's lying oh, about everything else. <laughs> but too good to be true. Oh, I'm very cynical. I've gotten that nonsense storyline yeah. about him, about him, him and painting. But he, but he's just he, he's just a wonderful elixir. Isn't yeah, he? he's just yes. like a little bit of slightly troubled waters. Have a little sip of Leonard. Indeed, and all is well. All exactly. is well. Right, before I ask you who's the Leonard in your life or who's the Leonard in your village in Sanguen, you're going to say it's Pascal or Philippe or some other Daniel. stereotypical. <laughs> there you Is it? Yeah. All right. Very nice man. Really? Is, hmm. is he a widower as well? Yes, he is, but he's he's got a girlfriend, living girlfriend now. So, yeah, he is. That's, that's it, isn't it? <laughs> Except she's moved into his house rather than him moving into Brookfield. But that's what confused me this week, because he's not really supposed to be living there, is he? And there he is, chicken casseroling and whatever. Mm. But but he's not chicken casseroling, if you get my drift. Apparently not. That was made very clear, wasn't it? It was very clear. <laughs> Much to Jill's Sergran. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> anyway, I'll tell you what, so let's crack on. Hello, is a little bit of a history lesson from our gen Ambridge Pony Club. And I, for one, thoroughly appreciate this call. But anyway, buckle in, listeners of of the podcast, because if you didn't know the history of of how certain characters were procreated, you're going to get it here and now. And there's a certain theme developing. Anyway, Jen, over to you. Greetings, Royfield and Jacqueline. Jen here calling in with a brief history of unplanned pregnancy in the Archers with much thanks to Serena Blanchflower at All Serene on the Twitters and Brenda Selwyn at Brenda M. Selwyn. What is a boy to do when he's accidentally got someone up the duff while on a break from his girlfriend? Well, he could speak to his sister, who could give much advice. He is uncle to Rosie, who was produced in a similar way. Or he could chat to his auntie Elizabeth, who went through this with Cameron Fraser. John and Tom. John is sadly deceased, but possibly was thinking and brooding about having got Sharon pregnant while going out with Haley on that tractor. Who knows? Cousin Tom not only has had a crisis pregnancy, but was created by a crisis pregnancy or an accidental pregnancy. Pat had stopped taking the pill while Tony had tetanus, and the result was Sausage Boy. His best friend Ruri famously was an accidental pregnancy while his dad was having an affair. You know, Brian was even more guilty because he wasn't on a break from Jenny at the time. Adam, the original teenage pregnancy from Jenny. Then, of course, Adam's sisters, Kate and Alice, both had crisis pregnancies, one as a teenager, and that resulted in Martha and Phoebe. In the wider village, of course, we have Mungo, was an accidental pregnancy. George, we all know that mess. Emma Grundy apparently was also an accident or perhaps a bit of a deliberate accident by Susan. Jamie, 
apparently was because of time zones and not taking the pill while visiting New Zealand. So, yeah, it would have been nice to have a planned one, just for a refreshing change. Wow. <laughs> what a list. <laughs> Stunning. Mm. The only one I'm going to question, and I'm not saying Jen Ambridge Pony Club and the other people who pulled this together were wrong, but when Rory was conceived... Was he truly an accident? Brian didn't go out to set out to impregnate Siobhan, but mm. I could be misremembering, but Siobhan kind of let it happen to force that... Brian's hand. That's how I remember it, but I could be wrong. Well, funnily enough, that's exactly how I remember it as well. Because she was in, was she living in Germany at the time? And he used to go over there regularly. That, uh, there was... They had their affair, then she went away. It's yeah, it's blurry in my mind. Cosmo, we need Cosmo here. But so that's the only one where I'd slightly question because with all of these pregnancies, by all accounts, it's been an accident on both sides. Yeah, but I don't think it was with Rory. No, and she was of a certain age, wasn't she? So Absolutely, she, as you say, she was forcing. Her Brian's hand and maybe just, you know, taking a chance. Mm, that's how I remember it. But, but what, could, a lot, could, <laughs> what a long list of people who've yes. managed to get themselves or get other people pregnant without meaning to. When it's laid out like this, you can't help but just say that the writers have just fallen back on a trope, haven't they? That fundamentally, let's have a little bit of drama, whoops, I'm pregnant type mm. of thing. And it becomes somewhat lazy. Bearing in mind that if you go all the way back to Adam, Adam's over 50 now. So, you know, it's 50 years fundamentally of the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Yeah, it does feel like it could be a bit of a lazy thing. But as you say, lots of different writers, lots of different occasions, Mm. lots of different Mm. situations. So, you know, and maybe it does happen a lot in real life. I don't know because I don't live a real life. (laughs) (laughs) oh contraire you do unless i'm talking to a figment of my imagination but i i think i think not the vast majority i think a large significant proportion of pregnancies are unplanned whether it's just silliness negligence whoops-a-daisy that i think was one of the best calls they've sat down and just seen the patterns and then gone through, bang, this character, that character, this character, that character. And it does seem somewhat damning in, in that regard. But, you know. Uh. Good teamwork there, Jen and yeah. pals. Whoops, yeah. I, I'm pregnant and, and you're the daddy type thing. But it has to be said, we were all gripped for a week and a half or however mm. long it was to know who, who the pops was. We were. We were. So, and so it also, does it does work. And also now we're all thinking, well, what is she going to do, Chelsea? We think we know she's going to keep it, but... And what does this mean for Ben and Beth? I was quite disappointed with Ben, I have to say, because he had the conversation with Chelsea and said, you know, nobody else knows, don't don't tell everybody in the village. And then the first thing he does, the first drop of a hat, he tells his brother, then he tells uh, Beth. I think that's a bit harsh, because his brother... And somebody is going to mention this later on, but just a bit of a bit of a quick foreshadowing you actually saw the strength of their 
brotherly bond. Yeah, you, that's that true. Like, yeah, something is up. Something is up. But say no more on that because we do have a great caller in on that. A rate from Doncaster actually is going to going to mention that the poor boy was at his lowest ebb, and I will admit when when I was told I was going to be a father first time, I was just like I didn't know what what end of the day was what I was just like I didn't quite retreat to my bed for a week but I did shock setting it was utter shock because that wasn't part of my plan at all there's a certain large dollop of of empathy because because the thing is it's just the utter powerlessness that you feel as a bloke don't get me wrong this child this pregnancy wouldn't have happened without the input of with Ben without Ben and or me in my circumstance, but you do just go, oh my God, right? You know, you, you feel totally powerless, like, you know, and your life's completely going to be mapped out for you. So I understand that in that moment, and he just moved into his place with his brother, and his brother says, Ben, there is something up here, right? You just, you need somebody to turn to. Yeah, that's true. I Maybe it's me just thinking, don't tell anybody. And then he tells somebody, so I was just, mm. yeah. But yeah, it's very true. I mean, and it was very insightful of his brother to have, you know, noticed because a lot of young men, I mean, he's 25 though, isn't he? So he's getting on a bit. Well, yeah, because we're talking about the relationship that men have. Let's go to Rachel from Doncaster now because she makes a very similar point, but does it much more eloquently than I ever did. Hi, Jacqueline. Hi, Royfield. Rachel from Doncaster again. Slightly dull week in Ambridge, wasn't it? Like, I can imagine that I'm going to enjoy the stained glass storyline. I quite like Alan's angst about that. That's enjoyable. But I just cannot understand why anyone would think I'm going to be in the slightest bit interested in how some bedrooms are decorated. It seems a really typical David and Ruth storyline in terms of the extent of its dullness. I can't even think when the last time I was interested in anything they did was... But yeah, obviously, I'm still here for the Beth and Ben stuff. So, oh, they were kind of their best selves. So pleased to hear it. And so pleased to hear that it was Chelsea that made the first move and Ben wasn't taking advantage of her and that he reacted honourably straight away. And then that scene with Beth and Chelsea was so lovely, just like, Oh, yeah, like Chelsea was coming across very young and absolutely not ready for a baby. Made you wonder a bit, is that adoption thing sowing the seed for Beth and Ben to adopt? But yeah, they were just relating in a lovely way. But I know Royfield's got this thing about intergenerational relationships and how well that's portrayed. I've got a particular thing at the how lovely men are in Ambridge and how great they are at giving each other emotional support so I just love that scene with Josh and Ben I feel like the portion of men in Ambridge that are able to talk about their feelings and support each other is much greater than the proportion of men I know in my life who can do that so it's really nice to see how like that's modeled well and represented there very good, yeah. As you say, much more eloquent than we eloquently put than we could have put it. But I agree with her. I think the men in Ambridge are unrealistically um, kind and open, open to their, open sorry. to talking about their feelings. It's not real life, is it? 
<laughs> well, I don't know what type of Neanderthal men you're, you're hanging out with in France, but I'll have you know that us British men, we're a higher evolved type of male being. Mm. And, you know, <laughs> I, I give you, and we, and we can grow, I give you Alistair, I give you Jim, I give you Ian. Now I'm starting to struggle. Who else is there? Well, that, is, uh, that are empathetic men. Yes, and, and yeah. Leonard, 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 Leonard. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I even find Freddie is very good. Freddie, yes. Yeah, and the sausage boy sometimes, you know, he can be, although this, I lump him in with the bridge farm lot really as a bit dense. Oh, and I, I'll give you another one. Vince, because remember, right, with, with Steph, right, he said enough's enough, right? You need to stand on your own feet now. Etc. And also, he worked out very quickly that uh, Steph had been lying about what happened with, with with Ben. So Vince is very much like a work in progress in terms of his evolution and mm. his empathy and being able to read situations. So I put it to you that all these Neanderthal men are all French, Madame Berto. Right. Us... I'm sorry, Royfield. I will just interrupt you there because I have been married <laughs> to. Englishman before I married a Frenchman. <laughs> so uh, I have a little experience with Englishmen, yes. But don't you think naming all of those people proves that it's unrealistically number of empathetic men in Ambridge? But if it makes it a lovelier place to live, all the better. True, true. I, I think that fundamentally the most powerful characters in, in Ambridge are all female. Mm. That it is actually a matriarchy, but but this could well be my, my gender bias here. That Peggy was very obviously a matriarch. I would say Jill is. She just is in much more of a quiet way. Yeah, as opposed Pat. to Peggy. Exactly, Pat. Yeah, Jenny. Yeah, Jenny. But also the younger generation. You've got Helen, who's mm-hmm. was bringing up two boys alone. Yeah. And you've got Alice with Martha. I mean, I know we've gone through this horrendous storyline with Alice, but she's kind of been a, despite all the alcohol problems, despite all her doubts and, and everything else, she's actually been quite a, turned into quite a solid character and a, a mother figure. And even Pip, yeah, even Pip now. No, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't go with you with Pip. No. But, but, but I would say that the Elizabeth? women... Is Elizabeth a matriarch? I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that Elizabeth is in the way that Jenny is. Like Elizabeth is still quite vulnerable and leans on her children, especially yeah. Lily, True. you know, because yeah. Lily's the solid one there in, in, in that family. So to my view, the men who have some level of power, they're always massively flawed. So like Justin. Justin mm. has power, but, you know, he's ir- irascible and, you know, and whatever. Brian, very, very obviously. And I think that the women are written in a much more sympathetic way in terms of the ones who are true matrox, who actually wield power and influence. But mm. this could be just a, a gender thing because I am a guy looking at this and saying all the best characters are female Etc. Etc. I, I, you know, I'd be. You know, somebody says no and would counter that. I, w- I would completely listen to them. But I'd be interested think... to know what other people think about that. Actually, because I'm not sure. I can't, off the top of my head, thinking, work out what I really think about it. 
I'll have to think mm. hard for that. So how do people call us in there? Call in and give us their views. They are so slick. Seamless, you are seamless. So slick. <laughs> <laughs> right, so what you need to do, the easiest and the best way for you to tell us what, what you feel about this thorny topic is to record a message or if you want to tell us about a plot prediction, is to go to speakpipe.com forward slash dum-de-dum you can also go to dum-de-dum.com and hit the little red tab over there on the right but don't forget the t because it is dum t dum in the middle and you'll also you'll find a link to how you can do this in the show notes and don't forget that we need your calls in by 6 p.m on sunday uk time please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes and bear in mind that you need to be at least 18 to take part now folks we need your help there are a few things that you can do to help us. First off, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to us on whatever podcatcher app that you listen to podcasts on. And if you wouldn't mind, please, for the love of all things holy and good, write us a five-star review, and that'd be hugely appreciated. And finally, the third thing, what you can do is consider becoming a Patreon. Patreon is a way of tipping creators like us, and there are different levels with different rewards. So if you could just go to patreon.com, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search for Dum Dum, we'd chuff to bits to have your support, as did as Deanna Dawkins did a couple of weeks ago. She became a new patron of Dum Dum. Now, before we go back to our calls, don't forget you can send us an email if you don't fancy hearing the sound of your own voice by going on to dumdydum.com. And we have a couple of emails, don't we, Madame Berto? Yes, and we have some some debate of sorts. But anyway, so let's go back to our calls. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. Well, Friday's episode was the last in which Judy Bennett will appear as Shula. And having played Shula for 51 years, I think it's only right to say a big, big thank you to Judy. If Dumpty Dum awarded certificates of merit, I'm sure we would be awarding one to Judy. Whatever we think of Shula, when there are a wide range of views on a character, I think that's indicative of a character that's been really well played. So once more, thanks, Judy. On Shula... My own thoughts is, well, I've probably always seen her as a bit of a big sister character, someone who you might not agree with all of the time, but would be there for you if you needed a bit of advice from time to time. And so I think it's fitting that Judy's last scene as Shula was uh, inadvertently, in some ways, giving advice to Alan. On the rest of the Archers this week, while the Chelsea, Ben, Beth saga continues... I do think that perhaps those listeners thinking of an an adoption scenario may be onto something in terms of a long-term drama. Having an adopted child return to the village in, say, 18 to 20 years' time, seeking out its parents, that could be quite interesting. But obviously, we'll, we'll see how that develops. Thank you for the podcast and keep safe, everybody. Hope we can have a meetup at some time. Bye. Mm. First off, let's let's talk about the very last scene with your favourite character. Yeah, it was good. I, in fact, it was a bit funny when Alan and Usha were talking. She said, there is someone you can talk to. And I thought he was going to go off and pray. I thought... <laughs> really did think that he was going to go to the church and we'd hear him praying to God about what to do. But then it was Shula, so there you are. But there you go. She's going off to start her own ministry. 
And already she can give sage, wise advice, counsel to Alan, you know, a vicar of some mileage. Yes, but they are very old friends, aren't they? Well, credit where credit's due to Judy Bennett for playing Shula and being in The Archers because she was another character before that, wasn't she? She played children. Yeah, she used to do a lot of kids' voices. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, well done for her for sticking it out for so long. I'm sorry the character that they've made you play for all these years is such a... But there you go. Is Ambridge's loss is Sunderland's gain. That's all I can say. Indeed. Lucky Sunderland. Now, uh, talking about lucky... Lucky you, because guess who's next? It's Christopher, him of <gasps> the lovely voice. Hello, everybody. This is Christopher here. I was going to call in earlier on this week to say how I'll not miss Beth, but it seems like she's going to be around for for the foreseeable, which is really disappointing. Beth is a, a dreary, dismal character, I find. She's not a bad person. But my grandmother would have said that when she enters a room, it's like five people walked out, you know? I don't know if other people feel that. But Ben is so full of life and light, and he he is a joy, you know? It can be a joy, you know, despite the the situation that he he has found himself in. I'm really glad that, in particular, Jazzer has been phased out of this part of the storyline. He really wasn't helping anybody. And Tracy too, to an extent. I called in a few weeks ago praising Tracy for the love that she has clearly shown her children. But sometimes love is not enough. You have to show them guidance. They have to show maturity. And Jazzer demonstrated this previously when trying to help Jim deal with the trauma of his past. But for a long period in that story, he was not helpful. He was like a bull in a china shop and lashing out and not listening and, and he's shown a similar incapability to show maturity in this situation as well. His heart is in the right place. That is not in question. But he's not moved on in some respects of his, of his character here. I hope he handles that well. One day I hope to be really good friends with Leonard. Goodbye. Well, he mm. likes Leonard too. How can um, anybody not like him? <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, it's true. It's actually... Very interesting, this whole thing about Jazza and Tracy and whether they were actually helping her because it came from love. But as Christopher said, love is not enough as a parent. We do have to show them guidance and stuff. But that's the the characters of the two characters shows what's good about them, Tracy and uh, Jazza. There's so many similarities. They're both up or or down. They're both very passionate characters aren't they they are indeed but what do you think Chris, what about Christopher saying he would be very glad to see the back of Beth and that she's dreary I think just like David and Ruth are not seen as dynamic they're just solid stolid right mm-hmm. there is no obvious magic between the pair of them like there is between Linda and, oh, God. One more, Robert. One more, thank, Robert. Thank you. I'll say that again. <laughs> like there is between Linda and Robert. Right. Yeah. I've got a sneaky feeling that Beth and Ben are going to be that solid, stolid couple. Who... I, I agree. And, and I think that's what I like about them. Because, in fact, we've got quite a lot of people who are very up and downy and very, you can't quite see how they work as a couple. Well, whereas... but, but... But no, but I'm going to slightly disagree because if you look at Linda and Robert, they're solid to the core, but you 
feel that they're in love with each other and they they back each other up they can mm. both tell each other when the other one is kind of messed up but it doesn't mean that you know the relationship it's a terrible. crisis no, no exactly no like you they are written so well susan and neil written mm. amazingly they are right? as a couple yeah as a couple but david and ruth it's just it is a snore fest yeah, but don't you think that Dan? I, you, we probably don't. We're too we're too young, Royfield, to remember properly. Dan and Peggy, uh, Peggy, Peggy. No, not Peggy. Oh my goodness, the original Archers, Dan and Doris. Oh yeah, uh, Dan, Dan and Doris. I think they were set up as being a solid pair of hands. You know, a, a solid couple in that farm, and you know, good salt of the earth people and david and ruth have kind of gone on to be that yeah as absolutely but i think there's two things though number one when they were written into it there weren't any teenage pregnancies there were no affairs etc right so it was a different time a different style of writing yeah but but also considering that the whole drama fundamentally does revolve around Brookfield, though you wouldn't believe it in the last couple of years because Brookfield has been kind of quite absent, really. Yeah. That whoever the in, whoever the inhabitants of Brookfield are who are actually running the farm, they're a bit kind of dreary because they are the centre of everything. They are the you know the calm, you know, in the mid, in the eye of the storm, so, so to speak. So if you think back to Jill and Phil, their marriage was never ever ever in question. It, you know, it was their children that were a little bit wayward. Kenton was wayward. Lizzie was wayward. Yeah, Shula was you as know. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was going off and kissing estate agents and all sorts. You know, what's his name? Pemberton or whatever back in the day. But they were always just kind of boringly solid. Yes, you know, and which but, David and Ruth have become. And, they've um, taken I on think, that mantle. And I think they're writing Beth and Ben into ben, this yeah. uh, kind of solid... Yeah. Although they're not going to be the farmers, are they? Because she works for the land agent or the market, and and he's going to be a nurse. So yeah. unless there's, they won't be that solid couple at Brookfield, but they may well mm. be the solid couple from that family to move on with. Who knows? That's what we like about it, isn't it? It rolls out over real time. Absolutely. Let's go to the blue-haired feminist, who's uh, yes. a long-time listener, first-time caller in a Hello, dum-de-dum, long-time listener, first-time caller in a My Archer's history dates back to Elizabeth being dumped by the roadside by Cameron. So, the Chelsea pregnancy. I know we need to have drama in a drama, but it's so badly informed. Why is it that soaps are determined to perpetuate the myth that casual sex always ends in disaster? Firstly, Kirsty, then Pitt, then Chelsea. I had plenty of fun when I was their age and never once had a proper pregnancy scare. Teenage pregnancies in the UK are now pretty rare. This is one of the public health success stories of the UK over the past 20 years, with rates falling by 63% since 1993 due to better education and better availability of contraception. There is no suggestion that Chelsea was innocent of the facts of life, and there are plenty of ways that in real life she could, and probably would, have planned against pregnancy by taking the pill or having contraceptive injections. Secondly, she took the morning after pill, which is 95% effective. This would have come from a doctor or pharmacist who would also have given her advice on who to contact and what to do if it didn't work. No one seems to have mentioned this. Thirdly, yes, abortion is a big decision, but lots of people do do it, especially during the early stages when you can take the so-called abortion pill, which in medical terms is not complicated. 
I have friends who underwent this procedure in their late teens, early 20s, and whilst it was not something that they took at all lightly, once it was done, they were able to move on with their lives. They regret they ended up in such, such a situation, but they don't regret their decisions, which were the right ones for them at that point in time. So instead of this scaremongering, wouldn't it be nice if a couple of characters, perhaps Ben and Beth, could instead have a chat about the options for contraception and which ones work best for different people in different circumstances? Just a thought. If there is time for in the archers for tedious stuff about burying underpants, surely there is also some time to highlight the progress we've all made in the world of sexual liberation. Thanks. Very good. Oof. <clears throat> there you go. You've dropped out. Have I? No, you come back again now. Your screen froze <laughs> with a very perplexed look, perplexed look on your face. I agree. I agree with that completely and wholeheartedly. Mm. That statistic that teenage pregnancies have fallen by 68% in the last 20-odd, 30-odd years it is is kind of quite, quite stunning. And... It is. I, I, I kind of assumed that it was because I'm here in the countryside and I don't know any one of my Emily's friends that has got pregnant as a teenager and they're now all in their 20s. Not one of them. Not, mm. There was never a whereas when I was at school, there was always one or two. You know, well, I'm talking yeah. about 50 odd years ago. Yeah, there was always that in the background, you know. And it is, it's down to education, a lot of it. And availability. Absolutely. Absolutely. Education and and the availability of contraceptive advice. Because I know in America, it's quite marked that there are many more teenage pregnancies in red states than states that vote Republican than there are in blue states. There's, There's a big discrepancy. So when you just turn a blind eye to this and just, you know, wag your finger and and say that it's morally reprehensible, you know, to have sex outside of marriage, you know what? Babies are produced. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. still and babies are produced. Whereas if you go, no, well, this is this is a, a a natural thing that people do that they want to have sex with each other. But you act accordingly and say, here is the advice. If you find yourself pregnant and and it's not wanted, you know what? There are less teenage pregnancies. So, so yes, wonderful call, blue haired feminist, and 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 welcome. I do feel that she's kind of she's wagging her fingers at the, at the script writers there. I suppose that the the issue is here. We're listening to a drama. Yeah. And we want drama. And having a sober conversation about, con, you know, contraceptive advice and options when you get together yeah. with somebody. Let's say, you know, Ben and Beth, they get together. First night, Ben's, you know, snogging Beth. Beth is hands all over Ben. And then they go, wait on a minute. We need to have a conversation contraceptive mm. advice so let's sit down and soberly talk about this what should we do as a yeah couple? exactly you know, we're gonna we're gonna turn off we're, we're, we're gonna go oh. no i don't know i don't know so much maybe it's our age group because we know it all don't we you know we, we get advice about other things that are going on in the agricultural world that was why the archers was started so yeah so modern day living Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello all, it's Brian. I'm feeling vindicated this week. I had a bit of rant on here when the stained glass window storyline was raised and I felt a bit bad afterwards. I didn't realise it was Peggy's last appearance on the show, but <laughs> it was all sort of glossed over as being a wonderful thing and I had a bit of a moan about it. But now it's come back and Alan agrees with me. So I feel it wasn't just me being peculiar about that. It was a vanity project. I don't know if I actually said that, but I'm feeling pretty vindicated and that my initial thoughts were what the church would have thought. Okay, uh, that's it. I've just phoned up to say that. Okay, right. Let's talk to you. Bye for now. <laughs> Bye-bye, mate. Yeah. Yeah, this, this storyline with, with the stained glass window, it doesn't quite set the passions at racing in the same way. No, I, that, I, it doesn't set the daddy. No, I agree. It doesn't set every all the juices flowing, but I have enjoyed listening to Alan and Lillian this week. Mm. You know, Lillian is pushing her mum's vanity project, to take Brian's expression. And, yeah, it's been quite interesting to see Alan kind of crawling around her and not being truthful. Mm. So he needs well, to he, he, pull on his big boy pants, doesn't he, and get over to well, see Peggy. But, you know, but you know what, though? He, he, he's not a politician, but what he is is, is, is a vicar. Yeah, and caring. Peggy is, is going to be not only the oldest parishioner, but also the one who's, yeah, the one who's going to be who sat in those pews the most, Yeah, you know, because, because she's the oldest, and has probably contributed financially the most. Yeah. So there are yeah. certain sensibilities. It's not like Peggy's Vince, who just rocked up to the village two years ago and says, Oi, mush, I want to change that window. No, right. it's very, very true. Will... There's history and there's Jack's window as well, isn't there? Absolutely. 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 So he has to be somewhat diplomatic or, you know, or, or at least be kept. Yeah. Careful with these words. Diplomatic, you know. Mm. And uh, But anyway, I'm sure it'll all be resolved. And the, the Peggy and her brood will have their memorial in some other bit of the church. I'm but sure. I liked Alan's, I loved Alan's suggestions, all those things that the writers managed to get in about how to use excess money in the church, in the village, to benefit the, the villagers. It's all these people who are struggling, you know, it's a good message to remind us that people are struggling in these days. So good message got across. So there's our thoughts and feelings on the stained glass window as brought to us by Brian. Now we go to formerly cycling Christine. Hello, Roy Field, Jacqueline and all fellow Dumpty Dummers. This is formerly cycling Christine here. I just wanted to phone in and say how 
beautifully acted. I thought the scenes were that included Ben and Beth, Beth and Chelsea and Chelsea and Ben. I just thought they were beautifully done. And one thought is that I'm pretty sure now that Chelsea will keep the baby. And if she does, what's the betting that some way down the line in a few years, Ben and Beth will discover they can't have children or it's very difficult and the baby will turn out to be the only one of Ben's. Thank you all. Bye. Right. Just just before we talk about Christine's call, she also sent a message, an email saying she forgot to say in her phone call that she thinks there's a distinct possibility that some of Eddie's turkeys will be stolen just before the new ones arrive. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of our emailers we've dealt with there. So I agree with her completely, the acting between the reaction between Ben and everybody around that story has been absolutely spot on this week. Yeah, it good has. stuff. It has. And I just listened to Friday's episode again just before we recorded and Ben's relief mm. when Beth turns up and yeah. him kind of like crying and, you know, or at least you know, just about to, you could absolutely yeah. feel it. You did and, feel it, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's so well done. So incredibly And, and, well and done. that lovely... I mean, the lovely evening meal, The what, what Jill said, you know, without knowing the what's going on in the background. Mm. But it was a very lovely, very family-supportive family. So, very good. Absolutely. And as Rachel from Doncaster says, you know, everybody knows I love some intergenerational interaction. And, you know, Ben and Jill is just wonderful. Yeah, it it has been for a while. It's been. It's not like yeah. it's a new thing, you know. It started over bees and eggs and hens yeah. and goodness as well. Yeah, lovely, 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 lovely relationship. Last caller is one of our doyens, a stalwart, a big cheese and OG. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Roy Phil, Jacqueline, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. First, just a brief musing about Ben and Chelsea. Following Chelsea's recounting to Beth of the one and only time between Ben and her, the whole thing seemed even less plausible to me than last week when I didn't know the nitty-gritty details of their hookup. Royfield will respond with, well, Ben wasn't acting himself that night. I disagree with our esteemed co-host. I think he was very Ben that evening. He was despondent and inconsolable over Beth breaking up with him and for the mistaken accusation of his trying it on with Beth's sister. I just don't think those circumstances would have led to a rebound quickie. But it did, and it will forever lead me to shake my head in disbelief. But kudos to the acting of Ben Norris through the week and the support and understanding Josh gave to his younger brother. Now, lost in the sauce of the great scandal of 2022, and just briefly mentioned on Dumpty Dum last week, was Alice being offered the job of operations director of the stables. I say congrats to her. According to her own Stephen Bowden, she's now been sober for over 400 days. I understood Aunt Lillian's anxiety and desire to protect Alice based on her own experience of living with an alcoholic as a child, but I'm very happy she had a change of heart. I think Alice is ready for this new challenge, and as we've talked about before, horses are therapeutic. She's going to meetings, is working the program, and has support from others. Alice may have a relapse at some point because no one can guarantee the future. But she needs to move forward one day at a time. Talk to you soon. Mm. 
it was really good of, of with a spoon to remind us of you know the one major storyline which we didn't pick up on last week so uh, thank you for that mr spoon i don't know uh, about the the ben thing i think philosophically mr spoon and i ha- ha- have a, a disagreement here we're, we're intellectually at loggerheads as to whether ben was in his right mind or not but it has to be said mr spoon speaks to people and gets inside their heads for a living so what Indeed. the hell do i know I just talk to you. I just talk to you for a living. And I'm no help. (laughs) And I'm no help whatsoever. (laughs) I don't think I'd want to be in your head anyway. (laughs) I don't mean that as an insult. (laughs) Just that. OMG. OMG. (laughs) You know what? There's a lot of space there, right? There's not much going on. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I think that's like my head. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of fluff rattling rattling around in there. If fluff could rattle. Anyway, there we go. <laughs> right. Now, Mr. Spoon, we're not cutting short deliberations about what you've said because it doesn't merit it, but we're actually slightly running wrong with with this podcast. And we've got some emailer inners to get on and do. So without further further ado, uh, Madame Berto, let's go into emailer inner action. Yeah, the first one we we had from Christine, which we've already talked about, and then we had one from Princess Anne. So Good heavens. Uh, she, uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> the first, she's a first-time emailer in her, mm-hmm. and she says, other than listening as a child when my mum had the wireless on, I've been listening to The Archers for about 30 years. My, episode, my first episode was when Jack's dog, Captain, died, and this was while driving to my sister's for Christmas in 1989. After that, I listened to the omnibus while ironing and later in the car on work trips. I was delighted to find Dumpty Dum around 2015, but when I retired early, I hastened to add, I didn't have a routine to listen along to, and so I ended up with about two years' worth of both podcasts. Sadly, I had to call it. I had a catch-up of the archers during COVID, and only then did I pick up with Dumpty Dum again. I started running three or four times a week last November, and now listen when I run. Archers, then Dumpty Dum, then a couple of other worthy podcasts and back to the Archers. I'm always a few weeks behind, just finished, she's just finished August. Oh, she's got it all to come, which I quite like because I always have some emergency episodes in hand. Unfortunately, this means I have to steer clear of social media for fear of spoilers. Very interesting. Thank you, Princess Anne. A lot of people do not do social media, do they? Because of the, even if you're listening to the omnibus, you know, sometimes you have to avoid social media all week to avoid being shocked. Mm. True that. Right, we've had uh, a couple of other emails, haven't we, Roy? I don't know whether we're including them. There's one about Scottish universities. Well, let's quickly just do Scottish universities and then the, the brouhaha about pots and kettles. So, Scottish universities. A few weeks ago, Royfield was talking about the fact that Scottish students at Scottish universities don't pay tuition fees. At the time, I tried to write an email about the effects of that, and my attempts were not good. Today, I read this article, which articulates everything I was trying to say. And then Christine goes on to say, I don't think this is for inclusion in the next dum dum I just wanted you to know some background. Here's the thing. And basically, the article says that Scottish universities, some of them are facing a critical um, state over funding and they are leaning on kind of international students for international fees, et cetera, et cetera. The fact of the matter is we should be properly funding these institutions. It's as simple as that. And I know that I was a beneficiary of the end of the golden age of going to university, having higher education, where it was completely utterly paid for by the state 
and you got even your rent paid and as well as getting a grant. The grant was never quite enough to live off, but it meant that working class kids, as I was one, could actually go into higher education. You look at somewhere like Germany, it means that there's great social mobility. Not only do we train up people to become doctors or architects, architects, etc., and people to do jobs which need proper learning, it aids social mobility. So for those families who don't have financial where for all, that their children can actually potentially get on the higher economic ladders. And that's the reason why I think it's so important. And that's the reason why I read this out. We need to fund higher education and we need to do it universally because it's for a universal societal good. And and we have a, a government in this country which is going for short-term sugar hits for the economy. We need to invest in people truly. And one of the ways we can do this is through funding higher education. Now, very quickly, I do want to mention it. There's been lots of conversation the last three weeks, hasn't there, Madame Berto, about the pot calling the kettle black remark. And you said it innocently. And then I jokingly said, are you saying that as a pejorative? Because I know that many black folks do find that expression offensive. Now, not all by any stretch of the imagination. I said my, my mum uses it. And I think I said initially when we had this uh, jokey conversation that I, for one, do not think that it's actually racist, that the term came about not to do with the transatlantic slave trade or, or to do seeing black people as lesser. So we've had Cosmo talk about this. Nick Roworth emailed me. And then Ruth Pearl also sent me a message on Facebook, all saying this expression is not racist. And I agree, it's not. However, it links in with black in the English language anyway. I can't speak for any other language. I don't speak any other language. Always been a negative. So I understand both sides of the argument here where people say, but wait on a minute, this has got nothing to do with race. And then people who find themselves being black are in a minority who are sensitive to the power of language saying, here is a pattern. Everything that is black is always wrong. And, and that's what it is. It, it's the power of language and it's the sensitivity that some people have to language. So is the, was the term originally coined to be racist? Absolutely not. Is the term racist for a lot of people? Absolutely not. My mother uses it. But for some, they do link it to the word black or has been a negative in the English language. Can we put this one to bed now? So there are our email arinaras, and we had a, a good few this week. Now it's time for reviews from Apple iTunes, or at least we would if we had any. So we had none, so there's no section. So uh, get writing, we, chaps. There you go. There you go. Listen to Madame Berto. Now we go on to Facebook, and let's hear from our Sue Queen or Tart what's been happening on that social media platform. Hello, my lovelies. Sue Queen or Tart here on the Twitters. And here with the first week in October, Social Media Roundup. I'm going to launch straight in with a post that made me laugh from Leslie Southgate. Did I just hear Jill say that David and Ruth were going to lower Loxley to help cheer Lily up? How's that going to work then? Pam Dulai said, it's quite simple if you think about it. They're going to go over, stay for a bit, droning, moaning, just being themselves. And then here comes the important part, they shall leave. Having endured, Lily will be overcome with euphoria and relief, which can be construed as cheer. And Rob Williams said, Oh yes, the old banging your head against a brick wall scenario. You do it because it's nice when you stop. It has felt a bit like that this week, hasn't it? Talking of making me laugh, Caroline Wright's Saturday episode was marvellous this week. 
There really is no end to Leonard's knowledge and skill. I must tap up my severe chums for help with everything. Although Martel van den Heuvel was clearly reading between the lines, they read a master with a set of rods as a monster with a set of rods. I do hope Leonard isn't going to turn out to be a monster. Witherspoon gave us hope, saying Chelsea's pregnancy has all just been an elaborate scheme by the scriptwriters to... Dot, 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 spoiler alert. Genevieve Van Home said increased listenership. Joe Edwards said, I like the men's side of things in a situation like this. At any point, Chelsea could terminate the pregnancy, or if she goes through with it, not name the father on the birth certificate. As there have been countless women who have gone through this dilemma before, I'm sure there has also been many men who would have wanted to be dads but had no choice. Very fair point. Claire Hinckley said, make Ben more whiny than he already is. Hmm. And John Beasley said, shake Ambridge to the core, as someone once said. I remember that. It's already had repercussions for Lillian Russ. Tracy and Jazza are constantly on edge. Jazza picked a row with his old pal Alistair. And when Vince finds out, it will lead to friction with Elizabeth and one of his business entanglement with solar power at Brookfield, etc, etc, etc. Charles Norton said it was there to sideline the flower and produce show, which is the highlight of all our years. Bring back the flower and produce show. Talking of which, Sean McKeehan. Did I miss this summer's single wicket competition? Who won? I can't recall it. Was it omitted? If so, what next? Stir up Sunday? Witherspoon said it was cancelled because of lack of Archer listener demand. And Ian James Bell said it was probably Leonard. He is an expert on absolutely everything after all. They'd better not mess with Stir Up Sunday. I made my Christmas cake a week late last year because of them. Andrew Stewart asked, How did Alan manage to speak to Sheila in Sunderland so quickly? Given it's so far away, surely he needed to book a line weeks in advance. And Kate Lyle asked, Hang on, does time run differently in Sunderland? Surely Sheila's only been there a couple of days, Ambridge time. Karen Cunningham sorted us all out. It's a completely different time-space continuum once you get north of Birmingham. If you haven't been to the Facebook page lately, come on over and join the chat. We love having new people join in and established people coming back. And we've got lots of new members coming in. But remember to play nicely. Be kind to each other. The stresses of the world are legend right now. Stay safe, my lovelies. Until the next one. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Suey. And thank you, everybody. That was a wonderful, wonderful roundup this week. Thank you, everybody, who's posted You Are The Business. But also, now, we need to welcome our shed load of new members. First off, we have Sari Middleton. Marie-Therese Asselbond-Bruce. What a name. What a name. Josie Sear. Kirsty Newell. Lisa Thompson. Wendy Hearn. Sam Tidy, Kenny, Hannah May, Moira Wilmot, JD Dorset, or LJ Dorset even. Oh yeah, <laughs> and Charlotte Grayson. Can I just say something about Facebook? Because mm-hmm. as Sue said, you know, a little reminder about people being polite and nice, and you know, it's great to put across your view, but we must remember that other people don't always agree with us and accept that we've had a bit of a, a bickery week and it's I don't like to see it not on our group thank you can you just all obey the obey the rules and be nice be kind exactly. <laughs> Ex- exactly be nice be kind if in doubt just be nice 
Exactly. Thank you. Well, you are nice anyway, people, but just try and remember sometimes when you're irritated with people. <laughs> right. <laughs> we can also be found on Twitter under our name of at Dumpty Dum. We always include the Archers hashtag using a capital T and an A so the visually impaired can also enjoy the Archers based tweets. And that hashtag is your opening for the tweet along in the evenings and during the omnibus. Please try and include at Dumpty Dum in your tweets so more people get to see it, which helps us out. Our little group and family keeps on growing there. As well as us being at Dumpty Dum on Twitter, where can you be found, Madame Berto? I'm, I'm at Jberto Sanguan. Now it's time for Purple Pumpkin's Tweet of the Week. Hello, Royfield, Jacqueline and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of Tweets of the Week. It was another what fine week on Twitter, which I somehow mistyped as titter. A thread to take a look at this week for its sheer scope is one started by Trevor Lambert, at Trevor M. Lambert, who asked long-time listeners to The Archers whether he was imagining these old plot points, that Kenton once dabbled with transvestism, and that one of the characters, maybe Emma, has a prosthetic limb after being hit by a car. He was put straight by the archivist posse of Leo Horsmeyer, Brenda Selwyn and Cosmo, joined on the Archer's recollection panel by infallible memories of Chris Worthing and Lynn Rafferty. After a lot of interesting diversions, it was eventually confirmed that while Emma did suffer scarring from a car crash, she still has all her own limbs, and that while Kenton at one time seemed likely to be diagnosed with AIDS, no one recalled any transvestism apart from in the panto. Maybe someone listening remembers more. So, to the medals for this week. In bronze position, it's Ian, at Ruther Ian, with Alan saying, It's unusual for a church window to be inspired by a child's birth. And Lillian saying, You're kidding me, are you sure you're a vicar? In silver, it's Marmaduke, at If We Had Any Ham. I accidentally told the other half the twins are called Seven and Nora, and that's that settled for this household forever. Marmaduke, I hope it catches on. And in gold, it's Zandal at hinge underscore Zandal, with Jill saying, And Beth, don't forget you can always lock your love rival in a stable and set fire to it. Well, that's it for this week. See you all again at the next tweet along. Thank you, Theo. Thank you, Purple Pumpkin. And thank you and well done to everybody who got their tweets mentioned. We're not just on Facebook and Twitter. You can also find us on Instagram where we are at Dumpty Dum. So follow us there and be giving Katie, who does that for us, a massive thumbs up. Brilliant. Thanks as ever to all our contributors and to our social media supremos, Shambridge for her voices and to our podcasting godmother, Lucy B. Freeman. There you go, folks. That's been an end to another wonderful dum de dum We didn't get to talk more about Danielle, did we? No, we didn't. Oh, dear. His name is Le Bien, and Le Bien means the little one. There you go. Bit of Breton, French, whatever. Yeah, there you Goodness. go. All right. He well, won't, you he know won't what? Listen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll postpone or defer, delay, conversation about the little one until next week's Dumbly Dum. <laughs> Jelly Goodwell, bon voyage this week, Roy Fields, and I'll see you on the other side. Thank you, bonsoir. Bonsoir. Hey. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.